welcome to another episode of the Business Exchange, how the business works. It's brought to you by the American Business Council. Now, um, this is a podcast where business executives and industry experts share insights on how business works and also a deep dive into the biggest stories in different sectors. My name is Margaret Lely and I'm your host. Now, today we'll, we will be discussing uh, the impact of digital platform payment platforms uh, on the economy and the business in Nigeria. To join the program, follow us on at abcouncil underscore on Twitter, Instagram, and on LinkedIn, the American Business Council Nigeria. And always use the hashtag, hashtag the ABC Business Exchange to continue the conversation. So now over the last decade, the Nigerian payment system has evolved from the use of uh, manually processed cash transactions, I'm sure as well over a decade, more than a decade, um, to an online and real-time digital payment system because of the growing rate of the commercial activities and the, the penetration of technology for commercial activities as well. Now, the adoption of these platforms uh, has encouraged low cash in hand and also has reduced the working customer visits to the bank. And I mean, this is very helpful, not with all the COVID conversations that we are having in recent times and the, and the new world that has turned uh, bottom up. So the use of mobile phones and computers and cards, you know, point of sale issues at all, at all. And businesses um, have really helped connect individuals and businesses to nationalized payment infrastructure and also enable seamless transactions across all channels. However, with the increasing rate of the success of this platform um, solutions, they have also brought the need for things around regulations to set boundaries regarding the role and rights of parties and the extent which different players operate in the industry. And so on this episode, uh, we will be uh, speaking about how these uh, platforms have impacted on the growth of the economy and also on businesses in Nigeria. And yeah, I have with me Mr. Oluwa Bankoli Falade. This is the first time I'm going to actually call him a Mr. You know, to, 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 to talk about the, the, the formality around this and then we'll move on. Um, now, uh, Mr. Falade is the Chief Regulatory and Government Relations uh, Officer for Flutterwave. Bankole has over 17 years experience in the tech and finance industry. And I can tell you one thing, and that's why I'm, I'm laughing about calling him Mr. You know, Bankole and I have worked and I've come a long way uh, because he's worked you know, in various capacities with various companies um, at the ABC ICT community engaging governments on critical ICT issues. So, Mr. Mr. Faledi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me and um, Flutterwave on your show today. Thank you. Okay, okay. so I would, I would really go back to calling you Bankole because that's the area I feel very comfortable, you know, um, the space I feel comfortable. So, uh, Bankole, you've had, you know, several years of experience in the digital and tech space. Can you share the change, changes that you have seen occur? So far, and how these digital payment platforms have really helped in these, you know, uh, changes that we have seen. So a couple of things, and I would like to maybe let's dial back, go back all the way to 2001 with the licensing of um, the four, three GSM companies at that time, MTN. Um, I spent over 10 years at MTN, a forerunner in moving from just, you know, I was one of the pioneers in the company who moved us from just being a GSM licensee to what became the unified 
access service license about 2007, which revolutionized um, you know, the telecoms industry in Nigeria and made the telecoms industry become the true backbone for all technology platforms and services we run today as a country. Um, before 2001, there was a, and there still is a debt of infrastructure. We don't have enough. And, but before then, everything was driven by NITEL, driven by government. Then comes President Ambassador, he licenses GSM. GSM is mobile only, global system for mobile. That's, that's what the GSM um, acronym you know, means. And it was mobile only. Okay. And at that time, we in the telecoms industry realized and understood that you know, Nigeria needed to move beyond just mobile, but to be able to provide a bouquet of technology services based off the GSM and non-GSM communication standards. So what had happened was about 2007, the NCC then under um, the executive chairman, Mr. Ernest Ondukwe, you know, revised the licensing regime, which now allowed companies like MTN, Airtel, and um, um, well, Econet at that time, you know, to be able to go further and offer not just mobile services, uh, they could go into terrestrial fiber deployment, they could offer fixed wireless broadband services. Companies like MTN and Glow, which came later, went on to deploy international submarine cables connecting, you know, Africa to Europe and, you know, the rest of the world, etc. I think that was like the main significant event, I would say, that has spurred the growth and revolution we've seen today. Second event I'd like to mention, and this is now specific to payments, is the effort by the central bank around 2007 to come up with what is what was called then the Nigerian Payment Service uh, Payment Systems Vision 2020. Um, you know, the objective of that was look to develop a Nigerian payment system and infrastructure that was safe, effective, reliable. And that will now be the financial, the core of the financial stability of a country. Uh, now, what are some of the things that you know we see that came from there? You know, NIBS, um, which is the Nigerian Interbank Settlement Systems, um, became a major player, interconnecting all the banks in the country, and came up with the world-renowned real-time payments service, which is what we all know as bank transfers. So now, Margaret, you are far away, I'm far away, I can pick up my phone, I can log into my mobile banking app, and I can push you money real time. A lot of the countries in the developing climate are only just catching up. Um, in the Americas, many countries, I think even in the US, they haven't really launched a full-time, real-time payments platform. Europe caught up later. I think that's, for me, those two events really is, you know, sees how uh, are perfect examples of how governments through policy can drive change and developments in the technology space. Okay, thanks. I, I, we'll get back to, I'm sure at some point we'll get back to the issue around this evolution. Uh, but, but again, um, I'm looking at this conversation, not just in, from the Nigerian perspective, but also from um, the continent wide, when I mean continent, Africa as a con continent. I, I almost wanted to say 
country, as some people would say. Uh, you're going to Africa. Yeah. So now, so there are different perspectives on the growth of uh, the digital platforms um, in in um, Africa. Now, in, in some cases, people say its impact on GDP is more short term than long term. Uh, I, I think I read that up somewhere. And others, you know, also say that you know we're having platforms, but these platforms are growing faster than the users because of you know um, the the internet penetration challenges that we have in the continent. Well, whatever we want to look at it, I think what is pretty clear is that there is some degree of the impact on the economy. Uh, what would you say would that is really the overall impact of this technology on key sectors impacting the Nigerian economy or more generally the African continent and especially uh, the fast growing creative economy? So let me just go back to my last responses and say Africa has also witnessed the same type of revolution. Africa, as had always been known, is a massive continent with young, a large young teaming population and a deficit of infrastructure. So its initiatives such as the introduction of GSM in Africa that has brought forth the kind of development we're seeing today. You know, now the debt in infrastructure has been both a challenge and has also created a massive opportunity for Africa. And I would explain. In Europe and America, because they have had this legacy infrastructure built, some of which is over 100 years ago, your traditional landline cables running underground, every house, every building is connected to the telephone exchange. What has happened is that they have been, you know, I won't say slow, but they have evolved gradually, um, you know, to the demands and needs of both their citizens, because that basic service has always been there. Whereas we in Africa have had to leapfrog, you know, we we skipped, I would say, in some parts we skipped practically skipped, uh, you know, you know what's what one some people would would say is like the 2G standard and and moved on straight to 3G, you know, started with GSM, 2G, 2.5G, but even before we could get used to that, you know, we had networks deploying, um, you know, newer standards that could deliver faster broadband internet speeds to people. We also have, like I mentioned, a teaming young population. You have a population who most, their first real experience on the internet would be maybe on a mobile device. Um, as against, you know, having a, a computer, you know, sitting in an office or in their houses. So I, I think these things con have continued to spur innovation, um, you know, on the continent of Africa, in Nigeria especially. And I think the fact that we now have a young population who are tech-savvy, who I would say are the uh, population, the generation of instant delivery of services, instant messaging, you know, instant payments, um, etc. You know, you, you have a generation of creatives that have developed and, you know, from, from this young African population. And we also have that challenge in Africa of how to engage this population, what sort of jobs, you know, will, will, the, will they have today and in the future? And, you know, the rise of technology again, all on the back of the 
mobile technology on the continent, which is prevalent, has kind of spawned a lot of people to become self-employed creatives. You have people taking pictures and selling them. You know, these are things that 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when you were in school, no one would ever think of, you know, saying to you that, oh, this is what you, you do tomorrow, that you would sit down in your house or you would be on the street with your mobile phone and record contents on TikTok, on Instagram, and immediately get paid, you know, for each and every post you make, you know. So I think a lot of it really has been driven by, you know, the evolution in mobile phone technology, mobile telephony technology, which has been the backbone for the internet and which continues to provide, um, you know, services to not just the government, private sector, corporates, but even to individuals who today you have a couple of um, mega stars who all they do is post content from their cell phones. And, you know, they have millions of followers. Um, they monetize their content. They monetize their followership and are now even employers of labor. You find some of them now employing managers to take bookings for them employing other people to provide services for them, creating the, you know, what I would call the jobs of today and the jobs of, of the future. Fantastic. So, um, again, again, this, these are some of the things that, and I, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, in the course of maybe little work or future work, it, it would help to kind of um, find out the levels of jobs that, you know, um, in the ecosystem. That have come as a result of, uh, you know, this technology, these new uh, platforms that we are talking about. Because I'm not sure if we've been able to aggregate in some way, especially in Africa, um, the overall impact of, you know, the uh, the digital platforms on the the economy in the way and manner that you have kind of outlined it. But you know, really putting figures to these num to these or putting numbers to these uh, to these uh, different thoughts that we just shared so so i would i would take us back to the to the time uh, the, the the first um i won't say question but at least the opening of this conversation where you talked about you know cbn and you know um, issuing some guideline in that was i think 2007 correct me if i'm wrong uh so it means that from the outset there, there have been some regulatory agencies that have been involved in you know either enabling this platform or at least triggering in some way whatever it is that can help um, exacerbate uh, the potential growth or the growth in certain areas uh, as we always see sometimes you know regulations happen um, but again we we know that there was this guideline in 2016 by CBN um, on the um, operations uh, on digital payment channels in Nigeria. So has this been impactful so far? So yes, Margaret, and, and I think the, the, the point to make here is that, you know, the, the, the success stories we're seeing today, the bets of companies like Flutterwave, you know, and, you know, the initiatives like our world-renowned real-time payments, et cetera, have all been deliberate attempts at policy making and planning starting way back 2007 implemented in 2013 thereabouts reviewed in 2020 you know all these actions have led to 
you know, companies like Flutterway, which I work for today, uh, springing up. So starting from, you know, agreeing as a country, as a nation, what we want to achieve in the payment space to how we want to achieve it, which is in, including things like licensing framework, rules around the operations, how do we manage consumer issues. Um, if, if, for example, today you do a transfer, Margaret, your money, the fund is not delivered to the recipient, but you are debited. How do you get your money back? What what channel is there for you to, as a consumer, complain and get a refund? A refund? Who who is the arbiter? If your bank doesn't address you, where what next? How do you escalate this? You know, so things like what we're even seeing today, which is now building on that vision 2020, like QR payments in in Nigeria, launched by. Uh, needs to the regulatory sandbox launched by the CBN to Nigeria being a pioneer in digital, uh, what we call the CBDCs, the uh, digital currencies, the country-based digital currencies. Um, you know, the Nigerian Naira is is probably one of the first in Africa. I think other countries are now even following. You know, those examples. All of these have been deliberate efforts by government, which we must comment, and policymakers, and they have led to companies like Flutterwave. Today, you know, if we're looking at catalyst of policy, today Flutterwave empowers thousands and more, and uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of merchants globally, uh, starting off from Nigeria in 2016, spreading to almost 20 countries across the globe. Uh, during COVID-19, I would like to give an example uh, during the lockdowns, when a lot of businesses shut down, we launched what was called the Flutterwave Store. It was a stripped-down version of our Flutterwave for Business platform. You know, we made it very easy, and we followed it up with weekly seminars to people who were onboarding. So, what is what was the store about, really? It's you have a cell phone, you're stuck at home, you can't open your small business stall or shop, you can't go to the market, etc. You're a trader. How do you feed your family? Flutterwave Store just says, quick onboarding, take a picture of the slippers you sell, take a picture of the tomatoes or whatever, you know, the what your wares you sell, upload it onto our store, uh, provide us with your bank account details, provide us with quick reference questions so we KYC you, and you start trading in less than 30 minutes. And we saw the uptake overnight, over 50,000 people. Um, Flutterwave also acquired a platform called Disha recently. It's a platform for creatives to show their work and get paid. You know, mm, today we have over 30,000 30, you know, people using that platform. How does Disha work, Margaret? And there are real life examples, which a colleague of mine shared with me in his travels. He goes somewhere in uh, the US, in Washington, DC. He's at a meeting organized by the um, you know, um, you know, the US government representatives. And in one of the offices there, there's a nice picture on the wall. And he recognizes it because he's from Zimbabwe. He recognizes the artwork. And there and then, you know, they have a conversation. And, you know, the uh, state official says, oh, he purchased it, you know, X on XYZ at XYZ, how many hundred dollars? And he thought to himself and said, oh my God, my poor brother back home in the hamlets in Zimbabwe who makes this probably won't have gotten $5 for this. 
you know, platforms like this shall now allow those sort of people Fantastic. realize true value. So if 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 you buy my if my artwork maybe goes on the streets of for of Washington DC for about five hundred dollars a pop, you know, um, no one knows it's been made back home in somewhere in Badagri by Bankoli. But with platforms like Dija, I can upload pictures of that artwork, expose it to a global marketplace, global audience. Margaret sees it. Margaret is in Australia or or she's in Lagos or she's in there, you know, or in, in London. She sees it, you know, at least rather than getting five dollars, I'm sure if I agree shipping with Margaret, I can monetize that for up to two hundred dollars because maybe it will be five hundred dollars, you know, if she bought it on the high street or she walked into a an artifacts or arts arts exhibition or store somewhere in Europe. You know, so these are the type of things that technology now has, you know, opportunities that currently continues to provide, uh, you know, to allow Africans and people of different races democratize their wealth and, you know, continue to improve their livelihood. And this is just an example of some of the things Spotterwave is doing. There are so many other companies out there who have all benefited from, you know, like I said, some of the policies that have been put in place by the central bank. And if we move beyond the central bank, if we look at what is being discussed today in the around the startup bill, which I know Margaret Davis is involved in, you are, you are very familiar with some of the conversations going, you know, I think governments all over the world is beginning to realize that, you know, you know, the true focus and job for government is to create an enabling environment for industries, businesses, individuals like, you know, all of us to, to create the jobs of today, the jobs of the future. We have a very young population on, on the continent of Africa. Um, I think government understands that if we don't do what we need to do today by, you know, more and more of the kind of policies that have spurred growth of companies like Flutterwave, um, we will not be able to, you know, feed that population tomorrow or, or they will not be able to feed themselves rather. There, there will be no jobs out there for them to take. Thanks a lot. In fact, uh, you know, what you have said about Disha as, as uh, you know, I mean, it kind of clicked in some other way around the project that we are currently working on. And that's uh, the Afroculture Convention and how, you know, we can work with Flutterwave on that project, but at least amplify um, you know, the opportunities of Disha, on, on, you know. But that brings me to other areas around collaboration. And, you know, I, I'm thinking, so Flutterwave amplifies this on their platform through the Disha um, uh, scheme, for want of a better word, maybe at this point. Uh, but And then some other company transports this, it, it, if it's a tangible pro product, like an art work, or something, they, they, they kind of move this to the person. So it means to, in some way there is e-commerce involved in this whole thing. And that's where the issue of private sector collaboration may uh, even be a bit more uh, important. So really the next question is you know, what private sector collaboration can further help unlock mutual opportunities in the space of the digital payment platforms and perhaps in other areas. I know, I mean, yes, we've talked about the creative industry, but you know, when you look at you know, the issue itself about logistics, it opens up a completely new terrain and perhaps the other areas that we're not even talking about right now. So I'll be happy uh, for you to share um, those opportunities that may 
uh, exist in, in private sector collaborations? So I I think for us at Flutter, we, we, we have this thing where we say payments is about partnership. Um, we will not have recorded half or a quarter of the successes we have today if it wasn't for the many collaborations and partnerships we have done. Um, we continue to look for those opportunities. I think what's, what is most important for us is the synergies have to exist. Um, you know, we must have a meeting of minds, meeting of ideas, meeting of objectives, and anything and everything is, is possible. You know, that's, that's, that's the philosophy behind the success of Flutterwave. Um, in terms of, you know, what, what sort of collaboration should, you know, we be looking out for in the tech space, Margaret, like you know, today we collaborate a lot in the policy area. Uh, we have, of course, that meeting of objectives. We have the shared vision. We work to get government, to lobby government, to create an enabling environment for business. I think we can always take that one step further to extend that collaboration to government, to assist government in fixing the many challenges um, they face on a day-to-day -day basis. I think it's always a proof of concept test case when government sees private sector in action, delivering on some of the challenges, you know, that they face. I think it, it even helps to open doors into fixing the issues that may have created those challenges or may hinder private sector in delivering on, you know, our commercial objective. So if you ask me, I would say, I think what we need to do now is to do a lot more targeted collaboration between all of us, the ABC, you know, companies with like minds, like ideas, going together to government, speaking one issue at a time. How can we use technology, for example, to fix the healthcare problem? Um, an example, if you look at the the model we operate in Nigeria today, the in healthcare, which was mod designed by the late sage Professor Lukoye Ransomkuti, I believe, where you had the primary healthcare centers, which should be in every local government or community. And, you know, that should be your first point of call. And then you had the secondary healthcare centers, which is what's uh, established as general hospitals. And then you had the teaching hospitals, you know, which were in geo political zones. So you don't even have one in every state. That was the original concept. And the idea, and I think it's, a bit modeled around what you have with the NHS in the UK, where you have a GP that you call on when you have a headache or a problem before you walk into the A&D. But ours was suited to our type of country demograph. So a primary healthcare center, maybe you have a nurse, a matron, that's where women in that area go for antenatal classes. There'll be a clinic day, it's where the gynecologist will come. There might be a doctor on call, and then there's a specialist that is also on call that can attend to serious cases. So. You have a headache today in Nigeria. You have a fever today. People go straight into the general hospital. That's why those hospitals are clogged. You know, you have the slightest problem, you go straight into the general hospital. When you cannot afford them, you find people treating themselves in their houses, patronizing clerks, uh, quacks, sorry, not clerks, quacks or off-duty nurses who, you know, your driver is ill, he tells you he took six bottles of drip. And, you know, what were they putting in it? It's just salt and water and they'll put some antibiotics and he feels better in a couple of days, you know? So I'm just using this as an example of a, a smart structure that isn't working today. And what's, what's wrong with that structure 
that was beautifully designed? Why is it not working? Is there something technology can do to improve it? How can we support government, etc.? I was just using that as an example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like to your point, I mean, that is just one example. If we've talked about even the, the, the collaboration that can happen in the creative, uh, in the, in, with the Disha that you, you, you mentioned, and then, you know, this. So, and obviously there are issues around policy um, that, that partnership is critical because that enables the environment and pre gives you the framework to even you know, get the business going and then also to create the opportunities for, for businesses to thrive and for 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 people to really, um, you know, get the opportunities from, you know, setting up even their own businesses. I, I do recall that uh, some time back we had the commercial investment dialogue, which, you know, was that ongoing um, conversation between uh, the US government and the Nigerian government and private sector on both both sites to 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 look at critical tissues that issues are the regulation infrastructure and all and i recall that you were very much at the front and center of that um on that project um so yeah uh, i i think i think that must continue for things to happen um in this space i i, I would go to ask because now we, you talked about disha but I'm I'm keen or curious, my you know, to know, and I'm sure that the audience out there would also want to know, um, you know, the 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 different levels of the the flutterweight products and technologies that can help shape uh, business and 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 reduce the uh, bottlenecks involved in transactions. So in terms of products, okay. So let me say our flagship I mean, product. I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure you probably have a lot, but maybe if you could just highlight some. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. So I think our, our mission really is always been to, uh, you know, simplify payments for end possibilities. So a lot of everything we do is centered around payments. How do we make it more convenient? So our flagship product, Flutterway for Business, which is allowing you collect money online. So rather than you having to be physically at a location that people must walk in and bring a POS or give you cash. You know, you can have a website, web presence, and collect money electronically. Um, you know, and it does it in different ways. So I could send you a payment link, for example, Margaret, you, you see something you want to buy, I send you a payment link uh, by WhatsApp. You click on it and it takes you directly to the Flutterwave page where you can now pay using your card. In some parts of the world, you can also do that using mobile money. You can do that by direct bank transfer from your accounts, you know, and you can do that through QR, etc. So that's the flagship product. We we I also mentioned store, which is a stripped down version of Flutterwave for business, which we launched during COVID to try and bridge the gap. Um, and allow many small businesses who, as a result of lockdown, you know, had shut down to keep their lights on, keep trading, keep feeding their families. So a target audience was, you know, your mom and pop store, the two-man businesses, one-man businesses, small stores who do commerce physically. Um, we've also got Scent, which is a remittance product, which, which is targeted at Africans, on the continent and Africans in diaspora, enabling people send money back home to family, friends, and loved ones, you know, and doing this 
you know, ensuring that look there, it's fast, it's reliable, it's a cheap way to do that. So I think that and then maybe Disha, these are some of the key things, you know, Flutterwave has in the market today to, you know, help with simplifying, you know, your everyday payment needs, you know, and creating an endless possibilities really, which is all about, you know, what store did for many during COVID, you know, the, the lights were off, no businesses, they couldn't feed their family, store stepped in and they could continue. And I've given you the story on Disha on how today now you can monetize your artwork or creative, et cetera. Thank yeah, you. Th thanks. Yeah, so, uh, and now this is not on my script. You know, when you talked about the the um, the movement of money um, from from this continent, you know, maybe you, you want to pay someone out there or someone out there wants to pay, you know, and then you're able to leverage the Flutterway platform. And I'm looking at I'm looking at this from a, a, a trade perspective and, you know, the AFCFTA and 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 issuer are moving you know um funds uh, transactions for, for instance i'm for instance i'm in nigeria and then i i am buying something from someone in um in again let's use zimbabwe because it seems to keep coming up in my head for other reasons that i'll tell you after this um after this um so so zimbabwe yeah so um is there a way the EFCFTA um, or Flutterway is, is having the conversation with EFCFTA in terms of you know the the, the the massive opportunities that exist in the ease of you know movement of uh, funds um, around business transactions. So you know I I said for us really it's always about partnership and the EFCA has its own vehicle called the Pan African Payments Systems. Um, it's something that was designed by. Africa Export Import Bank and is to align with the, you know, enable Africa take um, benefit of, you know, what the AFCTA brings and also generally to, to address the issues of, you know, being able to, businesses being able to move funds. Um, and, you know, you know, we've also got uh, what I will call our products and services that, you know, enable to an extent, but, you know, I think our philosophy is we can, there are opportunities, yes, to work with Afrexim, with Pan-African Payment System, the AFCTA, and, you know, we're exploring that. We're having relevant conversations. Um, and like I said, at the end of the day, we just want to simplify payments. Yeah, I think that's, that's a very um, simple and uh, catchy way of really expressing the, the, the service. And, and actually around that is the real issue about the need because um, simplifying is 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 very critical. I shared with you before we, we started about the, um, you know, someone who wanted to pay someone else and couldn't and, uh, you know, it's like, okay, where do I get, how do I get to pay this person? We're in two continents. And it's, I think it's sometimes about awareness, letting people know that, you know, this platform exists and that it's, it's, it's not, it's not very convoluted like some people may imagine and that it works. Um, I've seen that, you know, I think I, I saw another report from CBN about the adoption rate of digital payment platforms growing by 35%. 
um, in the total population who carried out digital transactions. And um, now I want you to be some kind of maybe if you have a crystal ball in front of you or <laughs> somewhat of a, uh, seeing the future. Um, do you think that this growth will further increase or do you see this decreasing? So I think the growth will increase. Uh, you know, one thing with human evolution is, you know, whether it's um, back in the days of, you know, uh, when they were man, man, were, man was said to be hunters and gatherers to, you know, the, to when people be to the to the industrial revolutions, the first, second, third, like that. There's something that is a common theme across all of that is commerce, and commerce is this this delivered because there's exchange of value, which is I pay you for something. So whether it's a trade by butter that they did, you know, in the early evolution where I have salt, you need sugar. I have iron, you need copper. You know, to today. I have a, a need, I need a car and, you know, I pay you for it, etc. I think that need will always be there. And because of that, I think we'll continue to see the growth. And also, if you if you reflect that to Africa, I think, you know, on the continent today, you know, common thing is we now have a young, youthful population who wants everything done now, who are tech savvy, who are open minded and, you know, who, who know how to express themselves, so to say. So I think all of this will continue to follow the growth that we're seeing. Okay. Uh, I, I, again, I think you have mentioned this, but I, I, I really want to stress this um, because I know that Flutter um, Wave has uh, recently, like, you know, focused his attention on providing solutions to SMEs. You know, we talked about startups, talked about, you know, during, um, you know, COVID by creating these customer storefronts and the payment channels. Um, so how have this initiative impacted businesses? And can you tell if the value proposed to these businesses are being fulfilled? Do you get feedbacks? You know, because sometimes we have these projects, but is anything that, I mean, obviously you don't have to give us the detailed figure in terms of feedbacks, but um, would you say that the feedbacks have been great? So I'll say we, we have feedback. Yes, some are, some are great testimonials um, and some are feedback in the sense that, you know, customers still experience challenges and, you know, we hear them, we hear their pain points and we work every day to continue to improve, you know. So yes, we do. We, we, we do have feedback from customers. And they are mostly positive. I won't say yes, large extent, we get a lot of testimonials, but we also get some, um, I won't call it negative, but some proper corrective feedback, which is I have experienced this challenge using your service. These are my pain points. And, you know, we continue to use that type of feedback to improve on our services. And when we're developing new solutions, we, we put and take that into account. You know that that makes sense. Uh, you know, without without those kinds of feedbacks, you're not able to 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 improve and to grow. Uh, people must always uh, need that to to know what else, what next, what what do we do? How do we step up? Yeah. So I I think that and and that takes me to one area where people have been um, a bit cautious. I I know some people um, who don't even you know operate POSs. They don't, they don't even go. Sorry, they don't even have uh, cards. 
they don't have uh, ATM cards and they don't go to ATMs. They, uh, they still go to banks and they are very manual. And that's all because of this fear of, you know, um, security. Uh, you know, am I, is this, is it, you know, safe to use this? Uh, and so imagine now moving it up to um, using online, um, the digital digital, uh, digital uh, payment platforms, you know, in the manner that Flutterway, you know, exists. So, uh, you know, obviously the issue of data security remains a top priority for any e-payment organization. And any exposure or breach of this data could really lead to serious crisis. So it's not just about losing money, but also losing something that's precious to you in terms of information. And, you know, you know, data, the conversations of data privacy globally, you know, have become really, um, you know, hot and burning uh, topics. So preventing online payment security issues is a must for anyone doing business online. So, um, and also preventing um, the um, pilfering or the, uh, uh, I don't want to use the word, the rape of people's privacy is, is, is a key concern. So what have you done to, to mitigate this issue? for your platform. So, Margaret, I think that's a valid concern for everyone all over the world, not, not just even on digital platforms, even physical security. So what have we done? Um, you know, our, our platform is certified to the highest levels of security for payments. You know, we, are, we, we have the, what, what is called the PCI DSS certification, which is a global payment certification. And we have the highest level of certification. Um, naturally, we do not keep customer information. You know, if we have your records on file, what we have is a tokenized version um, of your information, which is, even if exposed, it's useless to anyone else other than us. So we don't keep your card details per se or your information, but we do keep tokenized in, in, in our secure token vaults. And if that information is exposed, so Tokens are used these days. It's a, it's a new standard and way in which you know you keep people's information. So tokens are used these days. So I can have a token specific to just a subscription. Maybe I have a token for my iTunes account. I have another one for my Google account. I have another one specific to maybe Netflix or something. So if, if any one of them is exposed, you know that it cannot work outside of the environment it was designed for. Um, and I think the greatest thing which we continue to do is we know security is everyone's individual responsibility. Uh, social engineering is great these days. People who know you, you may have exposed your pin to them or some vital information which they can use to, you know, break your security. So we continue to encourage everyone, customers, merchants around, you know, things to do around your security, how to keep your information safe, your payments information stay safe. Our staff are trained regularly. We have reminders. We have, you know, uh, we do we do we do mystery shopping sessions where you know you 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 try and catch staff on guard and all of that <laughs> just to make sure that just to make sure that you know everyone is conscious around security. And and I believe this is something that everyone does, even the regulators in Nigeria, for example, the CBN has this elect what, what we call NEF, Nigeria Electronic Fraud Forum, which is a 
convention of participants in the payments industry, banks, um, law enforcement, security agencies, and other tech regulators like uh, NIDA and the NCC, where we sit down and discuss, you know, cybersecurity issues, broad, what we're seeing that is outside our control. We're learning, you know, so with security really, it's, it's, there's no competition. If you're hacked today or there's a new intelligence, the NSA shares it there, lets us know that, oh, there are state-sponsored actors, you know, maybe they got that information from the U.S. government or they got it from another sister agency or something, so that we, we all just continue to improve our processes and, and make sure that, look, the ecosystem as a whole is safe. Fantastic. You know, I mean, we can really go on to discuss, you know, a couple of uh, more issues. Uh, Flutterwave has always been this one company, um, not just a member of the American Business Council, but one company that has always been um, of critical interest to me because of the, you know, the absolute opportunities that it has created and unlocked for different sectors with, you know, profound um, opportunities you know, for for both private sector and, you know, individuals who are keen to uh, create um, growth in, in, in their businesses. So, uh, I, I, you know, I know that this could be one of the several conversations we would have um, on, on this. And I am looking, I'm actually looking forward to uh, having you on board again to share more perspective as we move on. But as always this is just um like we're coming to the end of the show sadly i would like to thank you uh, Bankode, for making our time i know it will be going back and forth on this uh podcast for 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 the last few uh, weeks but i mean it's great to finally hear you come share your candid thoughts about the uh, potential of the the uh, digital payment platforms on the economy and the business in the continent so yeah we have come to the end of the show uh please follow the business exchange on apple Podcasts, soundcloud and spotify and on our social media you follow us again at ab cancel underscore ng for both twitter and instagram and on, on linkedin the american business council so see you uh for our next episode and uh thank you very much for listening <laughs>